The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh my God, that's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money, all right? That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? (laughs) And we are underway. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another NFL Fantasy Flex episode of the award-winning Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM, the official odds provider of the show. I'm Matthew Friedman, the editor-in-chief of Fantasy Labs. And here with me are Sean Corner and Chris Raybon. Sean is the Action Network Director of Predictive Analytics. Chris is a senior editor and analyst at the Action Network, and they are two of the best fantasy football rankers in the world. In this episode, we are highlighting the players at the top of our Week 12 rankings in the fantasy tool at Action Network. We're discussing the guys we're high and low on and looking at how they do in our Fantasy Labs models, and we're speculating on some player props. Gentlemen, it is Thanksgiving week, which, uh, which means four things. Uh, one, pie. From Thursday to Christmas, that is the short window of time each year when it is officially acceptable to eat pie for breakfast and really at any meal of the day. Uh, so that is something to be thankful for. Two, uh, we have football all day on Thursday. Three, as my gift to the fantasy industry for Thanksgiving, uh, I've decided that I'm not going to force anyone to be a guest on our show this week uh, because it is such a busy time of the year. So uh, everyone in the fantasy industry, you are welcome. Uh, And then number four, and maybe most importantly, uh, for Thanksgiving, the Action Network is offering our best price of the year on pro subscriptions, 50% off, which means that for just $49.99, You can have a full year of access to the fantasy rankings and projections from Sean, Chris, and me. And if you subscribe now, we've got you covered for the fantasy playoffs. And also, you will have access to our award-winning draft kit next year, as well as all of our content. So go to actionnetwork.com for your 50% discount. Sean, how is it going? Do you have any Thanksgiving plans you care to divulge? I don't care to divulge too much, but it's going to be a very, very, very small Thanksgiving, socially distant, uh, COVID-friendly Thanksgiving. So it's it's going to be a lot more chill this year. Yeah. Rayvon, what about you? I'm just going to be working at Action Network, uh, you know, pumping out NFL content, watching football. And uh, I'm not going to lie, though. I definitely, for about, you know, four or five months now, covid you have these restaurants open late delivering that didn't used to. So I've been dabbling in. 4 a.m. apple pies for pretty much since the pandemic started. So I, I got a head start on Thanksgiving. That uh, that's dangerous. And, and 4 a.m. That's uh, you know, if you're an early riser, you know, I know you're not. You're like up, but it's like 4 a.m. For some people, that's breakfast. You know, so you have been technically having pie for breakfast for months now. I'll be honest. Uh, full disclosure: I normally uh, go hard for pies uh, starting Thanksgiving all the way into Christmas. And then of course, you know, Christmas, there's some Thanksgiving, not Thanksgiving pies, but like leftover pies after Christmas. So really it's, you know, into the new year. Uh, And so I am not going to do that. Like I'm resolving not to uh, go pie crazy this year for Thanksgiving. Cause I don't like, I just, I know like that's just 10 pounds of pie that I'm basically just going to add to my body. Uh, and so I'm going to try to avoid that this year. All right, guys, let's get into the show and talk about the quarterbacks that we have at the top of our action network rankings. Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, 
Patrick Mahomes. Uh, those are the guys right now. And I should say, uh, you know, this is early in the week as we are recording this uh, kind of pull back the curtain. Uh, Chris Raybon is always late, always late submitting his rankings. Uh, and so I'm looking at uh, the rankings right now and they haven't totally updated yet. I will actually need to go into the spreadsheet to uh, see what the, the real rankings are. But uh, those are the guys that we have at the top of our rankings right now. We will update throughout the week as news comes in, et cetera, et cetera. Raybon, because you are always the last to input your rankings, I'm going to let Sean Corner go first for the entirety of the episode. Hopefully he snipes all of the guys you want to talk about. Sean, who are you high on for week 12 at the quarterback position? So I'm high on Deshaun Watson for this Thanksgiving slate. You know, I still like him at his hefty price of 7,400. Um, they're going to be at Detroit. So, you know, we kind of need either DeAndre Swift, Kenny Galladay, or Danny Amendola, some form of those three to, to return here so that they can, you know, make this more of a shootout. Uh, but with Randall Cobb out, it narrows the stacking options uh, for Watson quite a bit. So certainly Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, even Jordan Aikens stacks make a ton of sense in this three-game slate. And, you know, Deshaun Watson has been on absolute fire since uh, Bill O'Brien was fired. Of course, he had that one uh, one game blip in Cleveland where the winds were over 30 miles an hour, so I forgave him for that. But he continued his toward pace last week, uh, so I'm going to write him again here. And then the other guy is uh, Daniel Jones at 5,500 at Cincinnati. Now, you, you probably shouldn't play him in cash. You should, you know, you might have better options in season long, but he is absolutely a GPP play this week. Uh, before their bye in week 10, he uh, he ran nine times for 64 yards and a touchdown. And quite a few of those were designed runs. Um, and then there was a couple plays near the goal line where he was lined up in shotgun and, you know, designed goal line runs similar to what we see with Cam Newton in New England. Um, so he has a ton of rushing upside right now if they plan on doing this going forward, um, especially at Cincinnati where they're uh, five-point road favorites. So he's, he's a high, high upside play this week um, if, if he can – start to be somewhat like Cam Newton in terms of rushing ability. Yeah, if you look at Daniel Jones, he's definitely popping in the DraftKings models that we have at Fantasy Labs, uh, in part because he's obviously one of the cheaper quarterbacks on the slate. And then, uh, Sean, I'm with you entirely on Deshaun Watson. He's the guy that I was going to highlight. Great matchup against uh, against the Lions. And uh, you mentioned the splits uh, with and without uh, dear departed B.O.B. And really, it's even uh, you can look at the the first three weeks of the season when he just had that brutal stretch uh, of going against the Chiefs, the Ravens and the Steelers. After that, from week four on, he's really been lights out, except for that one you know, wind impacted game in Cleveland. So absolutely with you on Deshaun Watson. I actually have him as the number one quarterback uh, for the entire week. So really like him quite a bit. Raybon, who do you like? I love the Jones call. That was that's kind of the cheap guy I'm looking at uh, on the top of the board. I, I still like Taysom Hill. I know he's going against a tougher matchup, but you know you look up and he seemed like he was having a pretty bad passing game. But you look up and he's 18 of 23 for 233 yards. I just think Sean Payton is able to kind of call just a heck of a game, you know, week after week, and it's going to put him in good position. And uh, if he struggles throwing the football, which he could. Uh, against Denver, he's still going to run. He's still going to be running all over the place. Uh, so I still like him at uh, 6,200. And then I like both quarterbacks in the uh, Chargers-Bills game. 
I think Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, that just has shootout written all over it. Uh, both of these teams are bottom five in fantasy points allowed to opposing quarterbacks. So uh, you have Patrick Mahomes at 8K against one of the best pass defenses. You'll probably still crush, but a little riskier. Uh, I love Allen and Herbert uh, right under. Raybon, to uh, to your point about Taysom Hill, uh, it, it feels like at this point, Sean Payton is in God mode just in terms of his backup quarterbacks uh, where he can just do anything with them and they, they produce. And now we're going to see, I would say sort of like what we would have imagined the best case version of Tim Tebow. Like that's what we're going to see no. with, with Taysom Hill no. uh, in, in Denver this, this He's week. Much, like, t- Tim Tebow well, couldn't that's throw. What I'm saying, the best case version of Tim oh, Tebow, that's, where, that's everyone, where everyone would have wanted Tim Tebow to be. That is what we're seeing out of Taysom Hill. I'm not. I'm not meaning it as slander or anything like that. <laughs> like I'm, I'm just saying, like, like the, is slander. Like the uber best case scenario, like of what could Tim Tebow have been if things had gone well in his career. That's sort of the Taysom Hill trajectory of a guy who's sort of like this utility player who actually at this point looks like can throw the ball, Maybe, but he, he still doesn't seem like that all that great of a thrower, but you look at the numbers and he had, you know, uh, a completion percentage that would make you think, Hey, this guy can actually play quarterback. Anyway, it was, I'm just, I'm just saying this was meant to be sort of like a transitionary statement. All right. I'm just, just saying, yeah. so who do you think, do you think uh, sort of Josh Allen, yep. do you think that's I, the I more, s- the more accurate s- assessment? I would say a lot closer to Josh Allen and Tim Tebow. I mean, Tim Tebow just, I don't think about Tim Tebow when I think of NFL quarterbacks. Like I, I, I think Tim Tebow. Taysom Hill was not an NFL quarterback until this past Sunday. And that's, and that's fair, but you know, I've read, watched this game twice now. And it's like, just like thinking back to all the, all of the guys that are kind of like on that fringe Tim Tebow, I guess being at the top of the list, like Taysom Hill is nothing like that. Like Taysom Hill legitimately, started over a guy who threw 30 touchdowns last year like yes he threw 30 picks too but like Taysom Hill is like the backup quarterback for the Saints like he on a week a full week to prepare he's their guy and you know he didn't turn the ball over throwing he fumbled uh rushing but you know he got the ball to Thomas uh he threw five passes incomplete again great game by Sean Payton but like in, in effect he's essentially ahead of where Allen was you know in start number two going into start number two because he has a much better play caller and he has a much better supporting cast the, the throws don't look as good but I, I don't think of him as like a like a I know he's I guess a developmental prospect or was one but I don't like watching him I, don't, I just don't think of him like that like I feel like he could especially on the Saints I feel like he could start uh for more than like one or two games yeah, by the way, Taysom Hill is also 30 years old. I know, it's like, hilarious. Not, yeah, so, I mean, he, he should be further ahead of, of Josh Allen in, in start number one. Uh, okay, let's talk about the guys that we are relatively low on this week. Sean, who do you have? Well, uh, it's weird because I have Kyler Murray ranked one, but I don't like him in DFS uh, at 8,200. Um, I think this shoulder injury could be a short-term issue. Now, of course, you know, that's not going to hurt his rushing ability. So I think he has a really high floor. But, you know, I just think it's going to rob him of a ceiling where you would normally be okay spending up over 8K to get Kyler. But just this week, I think he has a lower ceiling. So I'm going to go a different direction. And then, you know, the other guy that I'm low on, I'm sure this doesn't take too much convincing, but Lamar Jackson at 6,800 on DK against the Steelers uh, is a no-go for me. 
And when it comes to season-long leagues, I think you could sit him, which is really tough to say. Um, he's just outside of my top 12. Um, so there's there, there's better options out there than Lamar Jackson this week, and it pains me to say. Um, now, he's been running the ball quite a bit lately, you know, uh, rush attempts of 16, 11, 13, 11 times, but his high has been 65 yards, so he hasn't even been that efficient as a runner. So, you know, his value has hit rock bottom. I think, you know, over the – Last few weeks of the season when his schedule uh, lightens up, we could see things turn around. But just this week, I think you, if you have better options, you can sit Lamar Jackson this week. Yeah, Sean, with you on Lamar Jackson, uh, I've really been off of him for weeks to the point to where I can't even mention it I, or I shouldn't mention it on the podcast because he's like been the guy that I've mentioned for so long. So uh, I will talk about Carson Wentz. And I could see some people really being on him this week because of the matchup against the Seattle Seahawks. And so the, the matchup, you can't have a better matchup. But this is really just sort of like putting a flag in the sand and saying like, I'm just, I'm out on Carson Wentz. Like regardless of the matchup, uh, I do not think that at this point with the weapons he has around him and just the state that he's in, that he can maximize what we would expect out of any other quarterback in this matchup. So, uh, I mean, if you want him as a streamer, that's fine. I think he still has viability in that regard, but I think some people will have him in that, QB1, low-end QB1 conversation almost solely because of the matchup, uh, and I just will not be there uh, with those people. I think of him more as a, a maybe high-end QB2, like someone you can stream, but you would hope to be able to have uh, better, sure options for someone you're starting in Week 12. Ray who, would you start, who would you start, Carson Wentz or Lamar Jackson? Ooh, I would start Lamar Jackson. It's close. Yeah, it's a tough call. Yeah, it's not. Like, it's not like I'll I'll say this. If I was a head football coach, I would start Taysom Hill over Carson Wentz right now. Carson Wentz is playing so terribly. It doesn't even make sense because it's not it's no longer about like a matchup. It's literally the dude is just throwing interceptions like he's just throwing the ball to nobody. He's sloppy. Uh, It's like he just didn't care to show up this year. Like I like Lamar Jackson wants to win. Lamar Jackson wants to get to the playoffs. Lamar Jackson wants to avenge uh, this loss you know, a couple of weeks ago to the Steelers, like this is a time for him to unleash himself. Like what else are they going to do? Like they're, they're, they're throwing a Des Bryant out there. Like I think Lamar can get there, you know, with rushing upside alone, even in a tough matchup, whereas Carson Wentz, he could, he could have the best matchup in the world and throw three picks. Like it's, I would, I would not do it. I would not. Start do you think Carson. any of those, inter- were any of those interceptions last week due to the rain? I haven't rewatched no, them, but it was, I know it was, it was due pretty... to Carson Wentz. I was watching okay, it. Well. It was, it's just like, and it's been inexplicable. Like, I don't know what went wrong. I don't know if it was like, it just like the off season just didn't give him the chance to prepare the way he usually does, but it's, he's just playing like horrible football. Like, and I don't usually say that about guys. I'm usually like, all right, he had a bad game. He'll bounce back. It's normal variance. But like, this is just week in and week out. Carson Wentz is just losing games for the Eagles. Raybon, would you say that you don't know what Wentz wrong? Nailed it. That was horrible. <laughs> that was so bad. I, I just had to. Raybon, who are you low on this week? Man, I mean, well, I'm, I mean, now I feel like just saying Carson Wentz because, uh, like, I, if people are going to be, like, that that high on him, like, you know, inside the top 10 type high, I, I don't think that's warranted. I think he's, like, a fringe streamer um, at best. And um, but, but I also think, you know, looking at the DraftKings main slate, you have Mahomes, Ky- well, you have Kyler banged up, Mahomes in a tough matchup, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert – 
And then the next guy is Tom Brady. And I just don't think you do it with a guy that doesn't run the football uh, at that price. You know, $100, $200 cheaper is Cam Newton in what could be a shootout. And Newton's now thrown for over 350 yards a couple of times. So it's not like he can't do that. You have Taysom Hill. Uh, so Teddy Bridgewater, um, you know, he's banged up. We'll see how that goes. I think he's a little overpriced as well. But Tom Brady at 6,600 as the QB five on the DraftKings main slate. Uh, like I get Derek Carr had a good game against Casey. That's still a very good defense. And uh, Brady's not giving you anything with his legs. But Carson Wentz, that's the guy just be careful yes okay so uh let's get to the prop uh, for quarterbacks and by the way uh everyone can check out the fantasy labs player prop tool where the props with a bet quality of 10 have a 60 percent win rate over the past two seasons and when player props are posted you can bet on them at bet mgm sean give us the quarterback prop we have to go Taysom hill passing yards at denver um, I had something creative planned for him at tight end, but it looks like ESPN is getting rid of his tight end eligibility. So he's QB only now over under 227 and a half passing yards. I will go over, but uh, just barely. I have this around 230. Uh, I have it in the two teens. So I'm going under. Uh, I have him uh, running the ball a little more, I guess. I think Denver uh, should be able to cover a little better than Atlanta. So I think he'll continue to scramble. Uh, and I think, you know, you watching that game, they dialed up a ton of bubble screens, you know, even with Michael Thomas going over, what do you go over? I think it was 104 yards. Taysom Hill still threw for 233. Uh, so, you know, usually when you have a receiver go over hundred, uh, the quarterback should at least get to like 260, 270. So um, I think Taysom Hill can smash without necessarily throwing uh, for a ton of yardage. So you have him closer to like a Tim Tebow type of projection? <laughs> no, I just I, I just think like Sean Payton's play calling, uh, you know, isn't going to necessarily necessitate a huge passing day. And remember, like if he doesn't complete that bomb to Sanders, yeah. uh, you know, that even his numbers in the last game look different. Uh, plus, you have Denver with Drew Locke at quarterback and Drew Locke has just been an interception, just turnover machine. And so I fear that. Uh, we could see a couple of short fields for the Saints or it's more likely yeah. than it is in most games. So, yeah, like but, but this has not like I still have Hill ranked uh, number eight. So I, I still love Hill this week. And uh, I think you have to go with guys like him who have that rushing ability. Yeah. Uh, or a guy like, you know, Wentz or, or even Brady, really. Sean, I don't know if you uh, have this right there, but how many plays do you have the Saints projected for this week? Because, like, for me, that might be kind of one of the questions in terms of, like, what determines this. I have that in a completely separate file, and I haven't fine-tuned that yet. But, yeah, I agree. That's that's going to dictate this. And I'm kind of with Raybon thinking this will be a more run-heavy game script. You know, Denver's going to have film on Hill, so I think they're going to have to mix it up a bit. Um, I, I could see them, you know, using Alvin Kamara in the passing game this week. That would probably be a good idea. But, yeah, the, just projecting the Saints right now is one of the most fascinating things for me. So, I, I thought I thought the way Raybon was talking, I thought he'd be all over this. So I'm surprised to hear him under. I mean, you know, I, I'm like somehow a very conservative projector. Like this, I feel like this always happens to me. I'm like, yeah, I like this guy. And I'm like, ah, but I actually have it a couple of yards under. So <laughs> that's just how my uh, projections go, I guess. All right, let's get to the, uh, the running backs here. The running backs at the top of our rankings, we have Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, James Robinson, uh, you could make a case for maybe a couple other running backs uh, who could sneak into the top three. 
Sean, who are you high on this week? I'm high on James Robinson at 6,300 at home against the Browns. I feel like as a fantasy community, we still take him for granted at this point. What he's done this year is just incredible. Just to be a elite RB1 on such a bad team. Um, Brandon Linder returned last week, which you know should only help him going forward. And he did well in that tough matchup against the Steelers. So, you know, the Browns, despite them being a tougher matchup, they're going to seem easy this week in comparison. Uh, They're going to be without Miles Garrett again. Um, Not having Chris Thompson, uh, you know, raises James Robinson um, ceiling in terms of, you know, pass volume. So just he's way too cheap. I think at this point we just need to call him what he is, just an elite RB1. So uh, love him this week. And then the other guy is Kalen Balaj at 5,800. At Buffalo, I think he should get at least one more week of being the lead back for the Chargers. Uh, It's pretty clear that Josh Kelly and Tromian Pope are just change of pace backs at this point. Um, Balaj just missed uh, a really big run earlier in the game, and he saw a ton of passing game work, 60% of routes run per drop back. So he is the workhorse back and should see most of the goal line carries when they do get when those do arise. So I, I love him again as, you know, potentially low, R, low end RB1 this week against the Bills who can be vulnerable to running back. So one more week of the Blas train for me. And then once Austin Eckler uh, comes back, that'll be it. But uh, love Cam Blas at 5,800. Sean, I am with you on both of those guys. Uh, I also like Antonio Gibson, uh, who I talked about on the podcast last week. Uh, and I, I feel like it's a, another pretty decent spot for him. At this point, if you sort of take away the season opener where he wasn't really the locked-in lead back yet, uh, you look at what he's done in his past nine games. He has eight touchdowns and almost 700 yards. He's getting goal line opportunities, 3.3 targets per game. Uh, I'm not really all that high on the Dallas defense, so... Uh, it's another spot where I have Antonio Gibson uh, ranked in the top five, uh, which, you know, feels aggressive. But uh, I mean, at this point with uh, the running back apocalypse on uh, and Antonio Gibson looking like a guy who's a pretty decent bet each week to score a touchdown, I'm fine with him in the top five. Raybon, who do you like? So there are a few guys. Uh, I'll start you know, with uh, Mike Davis. He's at 6,900 and, uh, you know, we saw him kind of, take control of that backfield again last week with uh, Christian McCaffrey, who looks like he's going to be out again. And this Minnesota defense uh, is another one of these defenses that maybe you have a certain perception of them in your head from, you know, all of the great years under Mike Zimmer, Uh, but you look up at this defense and they are 30th in adjusted line yards allowed at 4.86 and they are 23rd in running back yards per carry allowed at 4.86. Four, six. So this is a, another spot where I expect Davis to, to be able to approach 20 touches. Uh, he's a guy who's going to catch a, a lot of balls in, in, in most matchups. He has six and five catches in two of the last three games. Uh, last week was actually kind of uncharacteristically down um, reception week for him, but um, he's a, he's a guy who can easily put up like seven, eight catches, which just gives him a, a, a huge ceiling. And then uh, going down the list a little bit more, Somebody that I don't know how much he's going to really be uh, talked about or people are going to be on him or not, depending, like, because there are other guys kind of in his price range. But Kenyon Drake, uh, I think we kind of overlook him. You know, Chase Edmonds scored a touchdown uh, in the receiving game last week. But uh, Kenyon Drake has been a guy that's been getting, you know, 15 plus touches pretty much every time uh, he, you know, hits the field for the Cardinals. And this New England defense is another one that's just really been struggling against the run. New England is 26 in adjusted line yards allowed to opposing backfields and 21st in running back yards per count allowed. They're also 
25th, giving up uh, 1.32 second level yards uh, per carry. So um, New England's been bad all over in run defense. And I think Drake will be a guy that will kind of go a little bit overlooked because you have uh, Ahmed in that price range. You have uh, Wayne Gallman, who's another guy I like too, um, going against Cincinnati. Uh, they're not going to really put too much pressure on the Giants. You know, Wayne Gallman's been running hard in the Cincinnati defense. Another one of those defenses that's just bottom five and adjusted line yards. In fact, they're dead last at 4.93 allowed and they're 31st in running back carries uh, yards allowed 5.24, which is just ridiculous this late in the season. Uh, so Wayne Gallman uh, is another guy who it's kind of ugly, but uh, the Giants are road big road favorites over Cincinnati. So uh, Gallman could approach 20 touches. All right, Sean, who are you low on? I'm low on Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Uh, 6,400 at Tampa Bay is uh, a bit too pricey for me. Uh, obviously, this is a tough matchup for running backs, uh, but we, we really haven't seen the receiving work uh, you'd want to see from Clyde Edwards, Edwards Hilaire. Uh, he only ran around on 35% of the dropbacks last week, which is the same as Daryl Williams. And even Lev Bell had 21%. So it's a, it's pretty even timeshare there. Uh, he, he was able to bail himself out with a couple of uh, touchdowns, but, you know, even Lev Bell took away a goal line carry from him. So you don't want to be leaning on rushing touchdowns in a Patrick Mahomes led offense. So I will be fading Edwards Hilaire this week. Um, and then the other guy is uh, Gus Edwards, who, you know, he's a solid RB two play this week and season long. I, he's pretty much a free square for the Thanksgiving slate at 4k. But if you're in GPPs, you know, one way to get leverage against the field is fade Gus Edwards here. You know, the uh, the Ravens are four-point underdogs. They could get behind. This could turn more into a Justice Hill type of game. So I think there's there's paths to Gus Edwards busting even at this price. Um, obviously, you know, the Steelers have a solid run defense, but th- this game could get away from the Ravens. And if Gus, if Gus Edwards doesn't score a touchdown, um, you know, he doesn't really see the receiving work. Um, to, to hit value otherwise. So he's a potential fade in GPPs for me. But in season long leagues, you think he's pretty much a must start. Absolutely right? a yeah. must start RB2. Yeah. Yeah. Especially this time of year where there's so many injuries and whatnot, like Gus Edwards, if you have him, you're playing him this week. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. That's, that's where I am with him. A guy I am low on, uh, Alvin Kamara. We talked uh, in mentioning the quarterbacks and uh, Taysom Hill uh, about how Alvin Kamara was just not a part of the receiving game last week. And maybe that changes a little bit, uh, but it looks like that was something that is just sort of a built-in part of that uh, Taysom Hill, Tim Tebow-esque offense where uh, they're just not giving the ball to one of the best pass-catching backs in the league. Uh, And if that is something that, carries over and I really think it might carry over to this next week uh, then Alvin Kamara goes from being a guy who's a a top three running back in almost any format to someone who I think is more of a low-end RB1 uh, just because he's not getting the ball in the best opportunities he could so uh, Kamara for me uh, at this point obviously you have him you're playing him but I think you have to adjust your expectations a little bit uh, given what we saw or didn't see last week in the receiving game. Raybon, you are shaking your head over there. I just feel like, and I give you credit, like you've been on top of the Ezekiel Elliott demise, or at least, you know, down stretch for, for a few weeks in there. But like, I don't think there's anything to, to Kamara and, and his, um, you know, slow game in that first one with Taysom. You look at, I mean, coming into the game, what were we saying? We were like, ah, you know, Michael Thomas could struggle a little, 
getting a downgrading quarterback. And what does Sean Payton do? Feeds the ball to Michael Thomas. Now we're saying, oh, you know, Alvin Kamara, maybe that's just the new reality. Taysom Hill's here. What do you think he's going to do the next game? Like, it, like, this is just Sean Payton messing with us. And, like, there's no reason, you know, it's not like with Dallas where, okay, you had O-line injuries. You had, like, really bad drop-off at quarterback. Like, in the last game against Atlanta, first of all, Atlanta scored, what, nine points? It wasn't really a game where they, the offense was ever really under pressure. Uh, but also, Kamara was highly involved in that game. I mean, he was running, like, motions and jet sweeps and doing all these kind of things almost every play, which allowed – uh, Taysom and, and the rest of that offense to click. So this just, to me, feels like a spot where now you you go heavy Kamara and Thomas, because now you've built up Thomas and kind of established that Taysom Hill can, in fact, be a professional quarterback and, and you know, get a 100-yard receiver. So I think we actually see a big game from Kamara. Um, I wouldn't worry uh, about him just because of the of the one-back game. What do you define as a big game? Because let's, like, let's like be I have honest. him ranked two. I have him ranked number two. That feels very aggressive. Based on it's, what we saw, he's the, what is he? I mean, okay, behind Dalvin Cook, who's been, you know, more reliable than than Kamara? I mean, like every back is going to probably have, you know, one or two. James Robinson has been more reliable. I mean, that's fair, but you look at all right, look at the Saints. Yeah, right? I have Josh Josh Jacobs right there uh, in that three four. I, you can make a case for Josh Jacobs over Kamara too. Some smart people on Twitter once told me matchups don't matter, and like they do matter a little bit, but like I feel like we're getting in our. I I, I just feel like we're essentially lowering Kamara for no like tangible reason. It's just like one. I think there's a, a very game. tangible reason. The, the tangible reason is that he had one target last week. That's a very tangible reason. Standard deviation variance that happens. Like, they, like, like, you know, all right. Look at I, I know. We, we finally moved Adam, like mo- a lot of people finally moved, you know, Adams out of number one last week, including myself. I was wrong, but why, why did we do that matchup? And what happened? The same old thing that happens most weeks. Devontae Adams crush. Like, it, like I, I feel like this is just a classic Sean Payton case. Like, Michael Thomas had two, ta- uh, two catches the week before. Like, are we – like, this happens. Right. Yeah, I was – well, heading into the week, I was a little bit nervous about Kamara's receiving usage just because I thought – you know, Taysom Hill's not going to dump it off to him. He's going to run it instead. So I thought that might play into it. But it was concerning to see the zero catches. And this this plays into my prop, so maybe this can help settle it for all of us. But for his receiving yards, uh, where do you have him projected? Because I'm setting the over-under at 38 and a half. And I think that's what Freeman's getting at, is that, you know, his receiving production is his value. So if if you don't have that, you know, near his normal levels, like where do you have that at? So I, I have him in, and, and remember, this is with uh, me being a little bit under market mm-hmm. on Taysom, uh, but I still have Kamara at 41. Uh, I, I have him and Michael Thomas really dominating uh, the target share. I mean, if you look at Alvin Kamara this year, his target per route run is 33%. And that's even higher than Thomas, even after that game, uh, who's still at 26% for the year. So um, you know, you know, again, I just think it was variance. And I do think that like you have a situation where, okay, yes, Taysom Hill runs more than Drew Brees, but you also have Sean Payton scheming up the, the throws and defining the throws for Hill as well. So you could just as easily see him scheme like 10, 11 balls to Kamara. Um, I'm not going to go and like totally change my projections. Like I, I like I have him. Oh, like with with Taysom Lowe and and Michael Thomas, you know, doing what he does. Like yeah. I still have Kamara. 
I, I will take the under on 10 or 11 targets to uh, to Alvin Kamara. And I will say, hey. Sean, uh, I have it. And, and we know I'm the donkey who almost always bets the over reliably when Sean sets a prop. Sean, what line did you set? 30 and a half, which it sounds like I'm right in line with Raybon. We're very close there. Yeah, I have it at 32 and a half. Okay. And, you know, like maybe I'm just too low, but Raybon, you say like, one target like that can happen sure like that can happen but that doesn't happen with Alvin Kamara like not at any other game this season has he had just one target and not any game last year did he have just one target like even if you adjust for something that is variance and thinking of this as like an extreme outlier case which I would say it is uh, I don't think we would still expect him to snap back to the eight targets that he was getting with another quarterback. I think it's just like, that doesn't feel as realistic to me or as projectable moving forward. I would say something that's more like in the, I don't know, Sean, like six target range. Like that feels, that feels a little more realistic. Yeah. Especially with the, the potential game plan this week, six targets, Sounds fair. And also with Kamara, you know, Taysom Hill has such a big rushing touchdown share in my model. It's kind of eating into Kamara's rushing touchdown projection. Obviously, he was able to score last week, but that that's kind of eating into it. And after all this, Kamara is still my RB4. He's a must play in all formats. Yeah, I mean, so it's, it's mostly yeah. just lower your expectations just a tad is basically all we're saying. Yeah, I mean, I guess, Rayvon, here's another way of thinking about it. If Taysom Hill is Josh Allen, like, do we want Josh Allen's running backs? When they're Alvin Kamara getting coached by Sean Payton. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I get what you guys are saying. And I'm like, I'm pretty in line, I think, with Sean's projections and probably yours too, Friedman. It's just like, I'm not panicking on Alvin Kamara. Like, I think it's a totally different situation from even, for example, in Ezekiel Elliott, who like he got a downgrade in things that would actually help him run well, like an offensive line or, or get close to the end zone, got like a bad quarterback. Like this Saints offense is still going to be moving the football. And again, like, I just think he could just as easily as he had that one target last week. What I'm saying is he could have 10 or 11. I'm not saying that's the median projection. I haven't projected for uh, 4.4 catches for 41 yards. So, um, you know, that's nothing crazy, but he's still my RB3. And I just like, I mean, to, to put it in perspective, who what was the prop last week? J.D. McKissick's receptions right Mm -hmm. and it was like ah coming off these two huge games and it's like gotta probably go over with that right like and then what happened he caught like three balls and it's like this is just what happens at this time of year now that we are you know kind of two-thirds into the season we're gonna see um you know an outlier would represent like a 10 percent outcome at this point it's getting close to where you would expect you know even a normally distributed variable to have that one outlier so um, I'm, I'm just not taking it uh, too seriously, That the, the one game with Camaro. All right, Raybon, I don't think we actually even got to a guy that you were low on this Melvin week. Gordon. Who, who are you low on? Melvin Gordon. Uh, I like Melvin Gordon last week. He uh, had a good matchup. Miami's a really bad run defense. Uh, I think they're 29th in DVOA. Uh, so they're exploitable on the ground. The New Orleans Saints are not. Uh, uh, this is just a complete night and day uh, opposite matchup for melvin gordon in fact the saints uh in ppr formats are right there with the bucks uh, allowing the fewest points 
to two opposing backfields. So um, this is just a really good run defense. It's part of the reason why the Falcons, you know, even though, though I, you know, me included liked them last week, they just couldn't get anything going on the ground. Um, and they're actually number one. They're actually number one in, in fewest points allowed to running backs. They've allowed only 66 yards per game uh, to opposing backfields combined. Uh, so like, it's just a really tough spot for Gordon. I think people may see, uh, the the big game last week and, and maybe try to chase against the Saints. You think eh, it could be a high scoring game. Maybe, you know, things happen, but uh, I think he's a stay away uh, this week if you can help it. The NFL season is upon us and our friends at BetMGM Sports are offering Action Network podcast listeners a great sign-up offer. Just make your first deposit using the bonus code ACTIONPOD and receive a 100% deposit match up to $500. They've got parlay bonus payouts, live betting markets, daily odds boosts, all sorts of great stuff. So download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTIONPOD to double your bankroll with a 100% deposit match up to $500. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in the great states of Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. And now, back to the show. Uh, okay, let's get to the uh, the wide receivers here. The three guys at the top of our boards, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Stefan Diggs. Sean, who do you like here? I like Demarcus Robinson this week at 3,700. This is assuming Sammy Watkins figures out a way to be injured again this week and out. But this is back-to-back games now where Robinson has run over 80% of routes run per dropback. This week was 88%. Um, now, you know, Miko Hardman was on the COVID list, didn't practice much. That could have played into it. And as a fan, I would much rather have Miko Hardman um, be a bigger role in this offense, but as somebody that makes projections for a living, I have to accept that it's Demarcus Robinson. And you just have to take a guy that's under 4K that is running over 80% of the routes in a Patrick Mahomes-led offense. So I will have plenty of shares of him this week in GPPs. And the other guy is uh, Cole Beasley at 5,500. Um, you know, John Brown's going to be out this week. Uh, and, you know, the last time that John Brown was out, Beasley saw 12 targets, went for 11 catches for 112 yards. Um, he actually went for 11 catches, 109 yards and a touchdown before their bye. So I'm hoping the uh, point chasers will have forgotten about that game and won't be on him this week. But uh, I just think Beasley has an incredibly high floor most weeks. But this week, he also has an incredibly high ceiling. Makes a ton of sense to stack with Josh Allen, potentially a double stack with Stefan Diggs as well, but uh, Cole Beasley just at 5,500 is a smash play for me this week. Yeah. And Beasley, even regardless of, uh, of Brown, whether he's in or out, Beasley just has a great cornerback matchup going against Tavon Campbell. Who's a, a backup uh, really third stringer uh, filling in for, uh, for Chris Harris, who's injured. So uh great matchup for him. Uh, Raybon, who are you high on this week? So on the, Thanksgiving slate. I I think the Texans uh, wide receivers are in great spots. You have Randall Cobb dealing with a significant toe injury, and then you have Kenny Stills getting banged up as well last week. So I think Fuller and Cooks are, are both in smash spots against the Detroit Lions who, you know, let's be honest, they're just not very good on defense. Uh, so love them. And then 
Uh, looking at the the main slate, I think uh, Christian Kirk is a guy. You know, in New, going against uh, the New England Patriots, they their defense is really just falling off a cliff. Uh, Belichick usually uh, is going to focus on taking away you know the key guys. So you think that you know that's you know DeAndre Hopkins is going to be the main focus. Christian Kirk then. Uh, I think, you know, for a guy, he ran 90, uh, I think it was 98% of the routes last week. Um, he's a guy that can, you know, one big play for him is all it takes. So he, he's got a good mix of a dot and routes run. And I think uh, he's a kind of another one of these Cardinals that I think is going to be a little bit under, under the radar. So uh, like Kirk as well. So Rayvon, uh, piggybacking off of your uh, Christian Kirk call, a uh, guy I'm low on is DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, for you know part of what you mentioned there, I do think that Belichick will have the focus on taking away Hopkins. Uh, and so I'm thinking of him more as a an upside wide receiver two uh, this week instead of a wide receiver one. He does have a tough matchup with Stephon Gilmore, who uh, returned to action last week. And even though Gilmore hasn't been as good this year uh, as he was in previous seasons, he's still, you know, I mean, top 12, top 15 cornerback in the league. So I think it's still a tough matchup. And, and more importantly, since Christian Kirk returned from injury in week four, Hopkins has uh, seen fewer targets, a 26% target share uh, since week four, which is is good, but uh, not like the elite mark that we saw him have early in the year. And over the past month, it's been a 24% target share. Uh, and, you know, we've seen him throughout the past couple of months be rather up and down with his production. And so this feels like a 50 yard game uh, as a opposed to a hundred yard game with the touchdown. Uh, and so I will be uh, relatively lower on DeAndre Hopkins. I think relative to the market here, uh, a guy I'm high on is, uh, is Tyree kill. Uh, and he has a 28% target share in the five games this year without Sammy Watkins. Uh, I don't think that the Buccaneers have a corner who can reliably challenge Tyree kill uh, Carlton Davis normally is best against bigger wide receivers and he tends to play on the outside hill runs a decent uh, number of his routes from the slot where uh carlton davis almost never goes uh and so i don't think it's a great matchup for davis anyway and then he's not even going to be on tyreek for a good chunk of his routes so uh this feels like especially given the recent target share that we've seen tyreek have uh this just feels like a very good spot for him even though he is going against a pretty good pass defense sean who are you relatively low on I'm low on Michael Thomas again this week. He's 7,400 on DK, top five wide receiver in terms of price. You know, I got burned in the Fancy Pros contest last week having a minus 15 against the ECR. Uh, and if you told me Taysom Hill would attempt 23 passes and throw for zero touchdowns, I would have felt really good about having Michael Thomas ranked as a wide receiver three. But, of course, he ended up with nine catches for 104 yards, so... You know, I think that the Saints offense, we, we've talked about already, but they're going to have to mix up the game plan a bit this week, get Alvin Kamara, Alvin Kamara more involved, maybe throw a pass or two to Jared Cook. But I just I just think that the target share for Thomas is so massive that you can't really bank on that week to week. So, you know, I have him ranked as a low-end wide receiver too. Definitely not spending up 7400 on DK this week. And then I'm also low on every single Bengals wide receiver Going forward, um, you know, going from Joe Burrow to Ryan Finley is a disaster. Uh, you know, especially a guy like T. Higgins, I thought he was potentially becoming a low-end wide receiver one. Uh, but going forward, you know, he's, man, I, I would say a wide receiver three flex kind of play. Um, now, last year, Tyler Boyd was able to put up some fancy produ production with Finley. 
under center, but he, I mean, he was competing with, um, you know, Alex Erickson, er, Alex Erickson, Auden Tate and Stanley Morgan. So, you know, going forward, it's just gonna be tough for, you know, all three of these guys, uh, green Higgins and uh, Boyd to put up production. So I'm fading all Bengals receivers this week. Rayvon, who are you staying away from? You know, Adam Gase took over the play calling and, uh, you know, looked a little better out there near the end of that Jets game. But uh, I do not like these Jets receivers, Brashad Perriman and Denzel Mims, going against uh, the Dolphins' outside cornerbacks, Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. Uh, that's just a terrible matchup. Uh, I know Crowder had the, you know, the bad week last week, but I don't think that, like, it, like we're going to see uh, Perriman and Mims uh, carry it forward this week. So, Staying away from those guys, I think those are the the uh, the main guys. But uh, also another guy that I, I think is a little bit, you know, just based on what happened on Monday night, uh, you know, people will probably be all over him. But Robert Woods could be a little dangerous. Um, looks like Richard Sherman will return for the San Francisco 49ers, which does strengthen their their defense, and uh, they've been pretty strong even with. Uh, without Sherman and just a host of injuries at defending perimeter receivers. So uh, Woods is kind of a risky uh, play even after the eruption spot against a really good defense last week. But I will say, because I think a lot of people may, you know, look at that Tampa Bay defense and not know what to think, you know, now that the chiefs are going up against them because they've been really good uh, most of the year, but had a, you know, gave up a ton of production. I would say like, this is like, I agree with Sean on, on Robinson. And like, I, I think this is a, a game where we might not see the chiefs run. I mean, the, the Rams have been a run heavy team most of the year and they attempted, what was it? 51 passes and uh, had about 15 handoffs in that game. And, and it wasn't just like a, a, a game script thing. They won the game. Like they were, they, they weren't chasing. So um, I think we could see the Chiefs throw it all around the yard. Uh, so, guys, I am not low on are, are the Chiefs. I agree with both of you guys. I love Tyreek and uh, and Robinson. Yeah, and, and Rayvon, to your point about um, the Jets wide receivers, and you have uh, Adam Gase there going against his former team. Revenge games, they go both ways. And you don't normally think of, like, a team having, like, the revenge angle against a, a coach. But uh, if there ever were a team to have the revenge angle against a coach, I think it would be the Dolphins going against Adam Gase here. Uh, so something to keep in mind. Sean, give us – and by the way, I say it like it means something. It, it means nothing. Sean, give us the player prop. For wide receivers well, uh, i have to stick with the saints like i said they're they're fascinating to project right now and uh you know i got burned in the fancy pros contest with michael thomas so need your guys help with my projection but i have his over under at 65 and a half receiving yards am i way too low there i know i'm a donkey here but uh i'm just thinking that what we saw last week like how, what was his target share? Was it like in the fifties? I mean, it was had to be. Yeah. It was something mm -hmm. outrageous. What Alvin Kamara's usually is. <laughs> yeah, seriously. It was. Yeah, it was something outrageous. So all the targets that normally go to Alvin Kamara, I have just uh, reallocated them to uh, to Michael <laughs> Thomas, uh, and so I'm I'm taking the over here. Um, but man, I mean, honestly, I I don't feel good about it. I'm going under. I, I have this is a really good line. I have it at sixty three. Uh, so uh, I'm really close, but you, again, you look at the matchup and, and what happened last week and, you know, you put on film essentially force feeding Thomas. Now you go against the defense that has two pretty good, uh, you know, some pretty good cornerbacks in the secondary. Uh, we saw, you know, 
Tua Tagovailoa struggle last week, get benched against against this team. So uh, I think that this kind of shift, there, there's a kind of a shift. So I think we could actually like there's a there's kind of a lot of variance. Like if the game script goes a certain way, Thomas could have another ten catch game, but. Uh, you know, Denver has also been really bad on offense. And if they, if they struggle, uh, we could also see another game kind of like we saw in that 33, uh, eight to three blowout for the saints uh, against Tampa Bay a couple weeks ago. So going with the under here. All right, let's uh, look at the tight ends and the guys at the top of our rankings here. Uh, really no surprise, uh, Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller, uh, numbers one and two. Uh, and then in that number three spot, you can make an argument for a number of guys. Uh, we have Hunter Henry at number three. Sean, uh, who do you like this week at tight end? Well, first, let me just say my tight end number three is Dallas Goddard this week. Uh, we should get one more Sands Zach Ertz game here. They're against Seattle. Uh, I, I know you guys think Wentz sucks, but Dallas Goddard does not. He ran around on 95% of the dropbacks last week, so I'm expecting a monster game from him this week. But the guy I like in DFS is Jordan Akins at 2,900 um, for the Thanksgiving Day slate. Uh, he's a very sneaky stacking partner with Deshaun Watson here. Um, his routes run went up to 56% last week, despite you know an annoying three-way tight end committee with Darren Fells and now Farrow Brown is part of that mix. Uh, but, you know, I wonder with, with Randall Cobb out, obviously Kiki QT is going to see a huge increase in playing time. But I wonder if we see Aikens, you know, line up in the slot a bit more. Um, and, you know, that that could translate into a routes run per drop back closer to the 70% range. I don't know. But he has a very high ceiling for 2,900 on a uh, three-game slate. So I'll have quite a bit of shares uh, for of Aikens on Thursday. Raymond, who do you like? So I think uh, this is a this is a smash spot for Darren Waller. Um, that doesn't need to be said, but he is 10K cheaper than uh, Travis Kelsey this week, and he's going against a Falcons defense that uh, is last in D, uh, DVOA against tight ends. It's just uh, a great spot for him to to potentially be the TE one overall on the slate. Uh, and then further down, uh, another team that has really struggled against tight ends is the Dallas Cowboys and Logan Thomas, uh, just like Goddard, Logan Thomas, another one that uh, ran a route. It was pretty much on the field the entire game. Uh, I believe it was a hundred percent of the dropbacks did Logan Thomas run a route last week for the Washington football team. Uh, this team, you know, kind of got luck lucky with uh, Joe Burrow getting hurt because um, he was actually on his way to a pretty, pretty good passing game. And I think that was going to be more of a game where they had to keep their foot on the, on the pedal. And, and we saw Dallas, you know, coming off, you know, get kind of getting Dalton back and, and getting, getting some things situated on offense. This team can again be, you know, at least respectable. So I, I think you could see a, a perfect kind of uh, game script for Logan Thomas to get some uh, ugly production here uh, against a uh, a really bad defense he's 95 percent 98 percent 100 percent routes run per drop back the last three weeks hope you're enjoying this great action network podcast i want to make sure you know about the locked on podcast network locked on has a daily podcast on your favorite team welcome to you locked on 49ers you are locked on to the dallas Mavericks. welcome everybody to the locked on lakers podcast let's go locked on podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop so go to your podcast app and search locked on your favorite team subscribe to your locked on podcast 
All right, a guy I'm high on uh, is Hunter Henry. I have him number three. And uh, looking at our rankings, Raybon, you also have him number three there. Uh, he's consistently in the six to eight target range, which uh, for a tight end at this time of the year uh, makes him uh, an, a near god. Uh, and he's going against the Bills, who have one of the worst tight end defenses in the league, especially with Matt Milano, uh, linebacker on injured reserve. Milano is eligible to return, uh, but I'm skeptical that he actually will return this week. Uh, so I'd say just be sure to keep an eye on that. But assuming that Milano is out, uh, I will gladly take six to eight targets going against this defense. Sean, who are you low on? I am low on Evan Ingram at uh, 4,500. Uh, he just seems a bit too pricey here, especially since, like I mentioned, the, the Giants are five point road favorites here against the Bengals. I don't expect them to need to throw too much um and you know golden tate seems to be out of joe judge's doghouse so it's gonna be tough to you know feel sterling shepherd Darius slayton golden tate and evan ingram to all have useful production in a matchup like this one so uh you know i'll be going elsewhere at tight end this week raymond who are you low on so i'll give you a saint that uh that i don't like this week jared cook uh he just i think he's the guy that um, you know, with Emmanuel Sanders, you know, being a little bit more involved than uh, maybe expected, Jared, it's just really tough for Jared Cook. Like he's he's turned into a a touchdown, a really touchdown dependent. I mean, all tight ends are touchdown dependent to some degree, but Jared Cook just is going to be super dependent on touchdowns. Uh, you know, with Taysom Hill in his first start, you would think that hey, maybe Cook actually gets a couple more. Uh, routes run and Josh Hill is out as well. So you think, okay, but you know, Cook actually played only 33% uh, of the uh, dropbacks and he split exactly even with Adam Troutman. And uh, that is, that is kind of a, a red flag, you know, San Francisco, I know they're without J- Jaquiski Tart, who has a lot to do with it, but yeah, I mean, to, to put some, to put some numbers on this Rayvon in our rankings, I mean, we are right there with you. Sean has him number 32, I have him number 32. I had to, I had, oh my to God. I had to scroll down. I was like, where the hell do I have Cook? I had to scroll down to find him. He's 34 right now. Yeah. I'm actually the highest on him. That's hilarious. Yeah. I have him at 28. I mean, yeah. We are, we are right there with you. Uh, I've uh, long been uh, a, a Cook fader. Uh, I mean, and you would maybe think, Raymond, to your point of uh, Taysom Hill playing quarterback. Uh, yeah. Maybe that frees up more tight end snaps. And then also, right. you know, maybe there would be this uh, sort of like in room symmetry of, you know, tight end with tight end. They're uh, a tight end now throwing the ball, being able to, uh, you know, have a little, a little connection with uh, the guy that he has to train with uh, because Taysom Hill is a tight end in case you didn't get what I was saying. But anyway, yeah, no, it, d- it didn't work out uh, for Jared Cook. And I'm with you there and thinking that it probably won't work out for Jared Cook moving forward. So uh, yeah, he's not a tight end one. He's not a tight end two. Uh, at this point, we're thinking of Jared Cook as a tight end three, which uh, is uh, rather unthinkable given how bad the tight end position is in general. Um a guy that I am low on is Rob Gronkowski. Uh, I have him number 15 uh, going against Kansas City. He has a tough matchup uh, with Tyron Matthew, who now is playing more of a strong safety versus the slot corner role that he was playing earlier in the year. So I, I really do expect that to be uh, the the player-on-player player matchup that Gronk sees the most. Uh, and then also, uh, and I'd say like more importantly, in the three games with Antonio Brown, 
Gronk has a 12% target share. Uh, and so at this point, he's just not as central to the offense. Uh, and so with the matchup and then fewer targets going his way, uh, I think it's easier to think of Gronk as uh, as an upside tight end too, as opposed to uh, someone that you actually have to start at the position. Sean, give us the player prop. We're going with a non-Saints player here. Uh, I had something special planned for Taysom Hill, but I already mentioned earlier, he's no longer tight end eligible on ESPN, so I can't I can't use the prop I was going to. But uh, Dallas Goddard, total receiving yards against the Seahawks, over under 48 and a half. This is one of those rare instances, Sean, in which I'm going to be taking the under, but uh, I'm very close. I have it at 46 and a half. I am going over. I have it at 51. Uh, nice. You know, you look at the, the routes run. And, and again, this is, you know, as you mentioned, been a just a bad year for tight ends. And routes are going to be the most reliable uh, statistic and kind of metric that we can use to separate all of the guys outside of the Kelsey and the Wallers. So, uh, in this situation, you look at Dallas Goddard and he's he's, all, you know, you think of him as, you know, in a, in that second fantasy tier after the studs anyway. Uh, but he's the guy now that's getting those 90 percent uh, route per dropback shares. And, you know, Seattle, I think they're they're improving on defense. You know, you do have some some linebackers that it's tough to go against in the middle of that defense. But overall, it still could set up as a game where uh, Philadelphia has to to throw a lot. So. Uh, like Goddard uh, a lot this week, actually. All right. That is going to do it for this show. Uh, be sure to check out our rankings, Sean's tiers, Ray Bond's DFS breakdown, and my positional breakdown. You can follow Sean, Chris, and me in the Action Network app at the underscore odds maker, Chris Raybon and Matt F. The Oracle. Happy Thanksgiving, gamblers. We're thankful for you. Use the app to get real-time odds and track your bets for free. Please subscribe to and rate and review the show and listen and download on Spotify. And also, you can catch our live shows. We have one coming out on Wednesday night and then one on Sunday morning. Convince me on the Action Network handle. Be sure to check that out. See you again next episode. We're finished talking.